Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim discusses the problem of worry or the practice of being anxious in a believer's life. This scripture is found in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, which is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. We need to know that our failure to be obedient to Jesus' commands is sin and that he commands us not to worry. Anxiety or worry is sin because it is the fruit of believing lies. For anxious thoughts to be anything more than a short-term reaction to a situation, you must deny who God is and what he has said. For the Christian, anxiety is a sinful waste of time and emotional energy. In this passage, Jesus explains why. It's a passage filled with word pictures and rhetorical questions built around four commands which form the backbone of this powerful teaching. Please listen to today's slice of Jim's message entitled, Each Day Has Enough Trouble. Now, from the very meaning of the word, I can give you a good working definition of the sin of anxiety. Worry or anxiety, pick your word. Worry or anxiety is allowing yourself to be distracted from who God is and what He has said by paying improper attention to circumstances. Now, you do have to pay attention to worldly things. I mean, you got to get up, you got you to wash clothes, you got you to gotta cook food. Uh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't pay attention to things. If you're, if you're driving in your car and that little needle starts leaning on the E, pay attention. Okay? You have to deal with things, but keep them in the right priority place. Since earthly things are temporary, since earthly things do not ultimately satisfy, since yearning for them blurs your spiritual vision, you often have to make a choice between them and God, and it has to be an, an active choice. Therefore, don't, let, don't set your heart on earthly things. Don't treasure up your treasures on earth. After all, your heavenly Father who gave you life has also promised to give you all you need to sustain it. So, yeah, you have to pay attention to things of the earth, and probably the more stuff you have, the greater the temptation to worry about your stuff going away, or somebody stealing your stuff, or something like that. But do not be worried is the command. Now, this command has another little wrinkle to it. It's a present tense imperative. Now, that in itself probably doesn't give you spiritual goosebumps, but it has a a specific connotation. The present tense in Greek has an ongoing sense of, of continuation, like always be doing this thing. That's the sense of a present tense command. Now, this one is negated, so the meaning is do not have this bad habit or 
The other way that the negative present imperative could be uh, described is stop doing this thing. It's continuing. Call a halt to it. That's, that's what you need to do. If you've already fallen into it, break the habit. Stop being worried or anxious. Stop being distracted from what is really important. So Jesus is saying that anxiety and worthy and, and worry is unreasonable for a child of God. There are two commands here which are subordinate to the, the general command, do not be worried. The first one comes in the next verse. The first subcommand, if you will, here is look at something. He says, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? I remember in my early studies in the Sermon on the Mount, working through all the different commentaries on this verse and reading about all the different birds that live around the Sea of Galilee where this sermon was delivered. And then some branched off into all the different birds mentioned in the Bible. And I distinctly thought, it's kind of interesting and it's fun to watch birds, but none of that has anything to do with the interpretation and application of this passage. Most likely, there might have been a flock of birds flying by when Jesus said that. I mean, He would use something that, that, that people understood. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the man who wrote the, the blockbuster best-selling book titled, all the birds of the Bible. You've all read that, right? Um, he said that that country is the crossroads of bird migration. That's exactly the same thing they say down north of Ogden, Utah, at the, the bird migratory bird um, uh, sanctuary. Down. Well, every, every continent has one, okay? Birds fly through, birds migrate through. Um, like I said, probably the significance is there were some birds around. And Jesus said, look at them. Have you ever seen a bird make a little furrow and start planting seeds? Have you ever seen a bird weed his garden? You ever seen one systematically harvest his crop? Of course not. And yet, all the birds are kept alive by their faithful creator who feeds them according to his plan every day. Now, Birds are not lazy. I mean, they do pay attention to the things that, that they need to do, just like you need to pay attention to the things that you have to do in your life. Birds work diligently for their living. They don't just sit on a branch and wait for food to drop into their mouths. They're constantly busy gathering insects or worms or preparing their, their nests, feeding and caring for their young. They plan for the future in the sense that uh, they migrate to warmer or, or cooler uh, climates depending upon the season and how, uh, and, and they always build their nests at the right time. It's good to look at them and say, look, this is part of the plan of God and He takes care of them. There's a couple of lessons here. Understand, the birds don't overdo a good thing. What does the text say? They don't hoard resources into more and more barns like the rich fool in Luke 12, 16 to 21. 
They accept the daily and adequate provision of God. If, if you spoke bird and you can understand when they're chirping, they're saying, give us this day our daily bread. They're just collecting daily what God has provided for them. And notice, secondly, they are cared for faithfully by their Creator, who gave birds the instincts to do all of those things. Not only does God give them what they need, He built into them the desire to pursue the right thing. So they, they focus on it. And I don't think they fret very much. Now, the punchline is at the end of that verse. Are you not worth much more than they? That's a question that's worded to um, expect a yes answer. If the birds who cannot in any significant way really plan ahead, if they have no reason to worry, then certainly you, endowed with so much more ability to, to reason and to perceive and to understand so that you can take thought for the future like they can't, why should you be worried about it? If God provides for even those lower creatures, how much more will He provide for you who are created created? In his very image. If you're not getting the point, understand Jesus is saying anxious worry is completely unreasonable in light of who God is. The the senselessness of anxiety is restated yet again in the very next verse. Look at verse 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Now, we use the phrase, Well, you can worry yourself to death, and and indeed you can. You are a psychosomatic creature. You have both a body and a spirit, soul, and and they interact. And worry is a, a terribly unhealthy thing. And you can actually... Worry yourself into depression and things that, act, that, can, that can lead to death, but no one can worry himself into a longer life. It, it doesn't work that way. Now, next, Jesus turns to another example from nature. Here's the second sub command do not worry. Look at the birds. First command. Second command. Now he's going to tell you to consider the, the lilies, verses 28 and 29. And why are you worried about? clothing. Observe the lilies of the field. Uh, Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. When I first read that, I was picturing little flowers spinning around in circles, spin in the sense of weaving, like you weave cloth. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now, here's the command here. Observe. That means notice carefully. Study closely. Learn something from this. Notice how they grow. All these flowers and lilies, at least then did, I'm not sure if they do now, grew wild in Israel at, uh, at that time. And I'm not, not sure you have to read a book called All the Flowers of the Bible to figure that out, that Jesus was referring to something that the people knew about. They grow easily and freely, and yet they're, they're gorgeous. The comparison with Solomon's finery, wealthiest man ever to that point, uh, all that's to point out that the efforts of man to produce beauty uh, 
are all derived from the imitation of the beauty that God has built into His creation. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.